Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, it's good to see everybody. You guys ready to get into God's Word today? You guys ready? I don't want to uh, waste too much time. I want us to hop in. You can stay seated. Normally, we've uh, been standing in the honor of the reading of God's Word, but you guys just stood for a while, so you can, you can park it, and we'll, we'll read God's Word uh, as we sit today. But this is what Scripture tells us. I want us to start uh, again in Romans chapter 12. This is where we've been starting our entire series. It's what our series is based off of. These are our purpose verses for this series. This is what it says. The Apostle Paul writes this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. By how? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, we're in this series called Mindset Masterclass, this collection of sermons. And what we're talking about is this very idea of transforming the way that we think, of changing the way that we think by renewing our mind. If we wanna become new people, if we wanna become the people that God had in mind for us to be when he created us, It comes by renewing and transforming our mind, the way that we think. And so what we've been doing during this series is just taking some different aspects of life and changing the way that we think about them. We've talked about pressure. Typically, the normal way of thinking about pressure is pressure is bad. We wanna avoid pressure. What we learned in week one, though, is that pressure can be a good thing. It can be a God-ordained thing. And actually, in fact, I'm better under pressure. Because when I'm under pressure, God shows his strength. It's in my weaknesses that his strength is shown off in its full glory. And so we've changed the way we've thought about pressure. We've changed the way we've thought about putting Jesus first in our lives and that he's not supposed to be first on a list. He's supposed to be the list. Like he's supposed to be in every aspect of our lives. We've talked about how uh, uh, we need to change the way we think about self-care, about comparison last week. And today we're gonna continue on this train of thought. And what we're gonna be looking at uh, is... uh, A total of three verses. We're gonna be working from a total of three verses a day, kind of jumping back and forth between them. But one of the set of verses is from Matthew chapter seven. If you have a Bible and you wanna follow along, uh, we'll be in Matthew chapter seven. If not, you can watch up on the screen. We'll have the uh, scriptures up there as well. But we'll be in Matthew chapter seven, looking at two verses, verses 13 and 14. And then we'll be in the book of Proverbs, looking at one verse, Proverbs 21, verse five. So let's start in. Let me start in the book of Matthew. This is what it says. This is Jesus speaking, and he says this. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell, man, we missed an opportunity there with the worship team, didn't we? Highway to hell, it was right there in front of us, and we missed it. Uh, Next time, next time. Uh, The highway to hell is broad, And its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. And then what it says in Proverbs 21, verse five, this is Solomon writing and he says this, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. You see, we're talking about a very, I'll just say from the onset, 
this is not an amen type sermon. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath that I'm gonna get shouted down during this sermon like, glory, amen, hallelujah, preach it. Like, it's not one of those sermons. <laughs> this is kind of a hard one because what we're gonna be talking about today is, is one word, and you're gonna hear it over and over and over again, discipline. Ooh, like it just, even the sound of it is like, oh, ugh, man, I need a shower. Like, I don't want to think about discipline and hard work and perseverance. No, like something else. I, I want something to encourage me. This is not encouraging, but I think as we study God's word, we're going to see how encouraging discipline is uh, and how life-giving it is as we try to pursue the fulfilling life that Jesus has in mind for us. So as we start talking about discipline today, um, did, did anyone... Was anyone here a few weeks back whenever I said I was gonna be starting at the YMCA? Uh, happy to let you know, I've got my pass and I've gone. I didn't just buy the pass, I've gone. And I've gone multiple times. So you can, you know, I, I've, I've fulfilled my end of the bargain. I've been going, been going to the Firestone Park YMCA. Um, and it, it's great because at, at my house, I've been able to do like a little bit of lifting. I've got like a squat rack and stuff. So I've been able to do some upper body stuff and, you know, bench press. But there's so many machines at the Y that are like specific. They just target one muscle group like right there, you know? And so that's great because there's certain muscles that you just cannot work out unless they're very specifically Targeted, And so I went to the Y and I, you know, I did upper body one day and the next day I come in and I'm gonna do legs and lower body. And so they have one of these machines here um, and it's like a hip abduction machine. If you've ever seen one of these things, it looks like a medieval torture device, right? Hip abduction machine. I'm not going to mime what it looks like because it'd be too humiliating to mime this. But basically what it is, you kind of sit down on the seat and there's two like uh, pads and you can put your legs, you can adjust the pads so they can either be tight or they can be far spread out. And how it works is if you have them uh, uh, tight, you put your knees between them and you push out. Like you, you know, like I said, I'm not miming it. You're not gonna see me up here mimicking it. It's not happening. Um, <laughs> but your, your legs, you like push out and it works these muscles out, whatever those things are called, right? Your outer hips, if that's the technical name for it, right? So you work out these muscles. But there's a cool thing that you can do. You like pull one of the little levers and you can adjust the seats. And rather than them being close and you moving your legs out, the, the pads go really far out. You put your legs around them and then you pull them closed, right? And so you pull them closed and that works like your inner, inner thigh. And so I'm like, this is perfect. I haven't had anything that can work out these muscles. So let's rock and roll, right? So I, I sit down and I'm doing it and I'm doing like a warm-up set and I'm like, this is a piece of cake. Like, what in the world? So I move them down further and it still isn't feeling too bad. So I'm like, whoa, geez. All right, so I put it down far. Like, I put that thing down pretty far and I'm just cranking them out. I'm like, yeah, luckily there's no one there because again, this is a very humiliating looking workout. So there's no one there. It's like, I'm, I'm there late at night. So I'm doing this workout uh, and after it's over, I feel great. I'm like, all right, let's go over to leg press. I go to leg press. I felt fine till the next morning. The next morning when I woke up, I tell you, I felt like I rode a horse bareback down 77 from Cleveland to Charlotte. Like I just, I was walking around like Clint Eastwood. I'm just, you know, like, oh my gosh. I was so sore, so sore. It was, it, it was brutal. I still, that was about 10 days ago. I still feel it. Like I'll make, a, I'll bend in a certain way and I'm like, there it is, there it is, there's that. Careful now, right? It was brutal. And 
And it was just ridiculous of me to think that this muscle, like this specific muscle group, that Lord knows the last time I've done an exercise that targets that, right? Like the last, uh, I haven't done it in forever. Why in the world am I jumping in day one, acting like I'm already somewhere that I'm not? Like what in the world? I haven't put in the work. I haven't, like what am I doing lifting that much? It's ridiculous. Which reminds me of another story. Like I, I have to tell this one because it's not about me and it's super funny. So I, I have to share this. My uncle, my uncle Jay, uh, he's got a, a son, Marshall, who at the time, this is years ago, he's in high school, he's wrestling, he's got a bunch of buddies who are wrestling, and so my Uncle Jay takes them to the Y for them to work out, uh, and while they're there, they're on one of the, uh, like the ab crunch machines where you put on the weights and get in there and you sit like this to like crunch your abs. So they get on this machine, and Marshall and his buddies, they're like probably 15, 16, something like that, and they're doing this workout. My Uncle Jay, who, like back in the day, he was like Mr. Fit. He would go on huge runs and everything like that. Not so much anymore, right? He's, but those days are in his past. But he's watching this, and he's feeling that little bit of pride rise up, like, oh, jeez, look at these guys. Look at the adorable weights that they have on there. Like, that's so cute that they think they're getting a workout in with that amount of weight. Let me show them what's up. So... He's like, fellas, let me show you how it's done. So he sits down in this ab machine, pulls that thing out and puts it down at pretty much the highest weight you can have on this thing. Mind you, he's about to exercise muscles that have been laying dormant since the Reagan administration. <laughs> and he's like, let's go to work, you know? So he hops in there and he, to his credit, starts cranking them out, just two, three. He's like, just belt these out and Marshall and his buddies like, this is incredible. Look, look at him go. Look at him go. He's just nailing these things out. Hits about 20 of them. Hits about 20. Let's it go. And he's like, that's how it's done. And he stands up. And as he stands up, these muscles that have just been exercised for the first time and Lord knows how long betrayed him. <laughs> Instantly, his muscles just contorted and cramped up. And my Uncle Jay, Marshall said, he let out a noise that was just an unholy noise. And hit the ground in the green YMCA. Just fell to the ground, just like on the ground. Marshall said him and his buddies were like confused on do we laugh or are we embarrassed? Like we don't even know how to handle this situation right now. My Uncle Jay, he, he, like, he said he was sore for like the next two weeks. He just felt it, right? Because he did, he did something that I did. We both just mistakenly for some silly, crazy reason thought that we could just hop in and act like we were at a place that we weren't really. That we could just jump right in and act like we've put in the work to get us to this place when we 100% have not put in the work. Now, wouldn't it be great if life actually worked like that? That would be incredible if you could just step into a situation that you've done little to no work to prepare for, but just boom, show up and you nail it. And you're great. And you've got all this experience and somehow everything works great and you, you're, you're like just like killing it. That would be awesome if things worked that way. And I think some of us, we don't intellectually think they work that way, but we act like they work that way. And I think there's a, a, a multitude of reasons for why that's the case. One reason I would wager is movies that were made in the 1980s and the 1990s. <laughs> they had these wonderful little bits in these movies called montages. Does anyone know what a montage is, right? If you've seen the Rocky movies, you've seen a montage, right? In, in the Rocky movies, you'll have 
Rocky and he's getting ready to go up against a competitor and there's a big fight coming. You've got Rocky Four. He's getting ready to fight Ivan Drago, the guy who killed Apollo Creed. And he's gonna take him out. He's gonna get revenge. And so he's training to fight Drago. And what they do, they show you that Rocky's clearly in no place to take this guy on. This guy's like superhuman. He's, he's huge. He's built. He's a machine. He's like a robot. And Rocky, Rocky's just gonna lose until the training montage comes in. <laughs> And suddenly, during this three-minute and 28-second period of time, Rocky goes from a guy who's going to get obliterated by Drago to this guy who's going to beat him. He's going to beat the tar out of him, right? And it all happened in about three and a half minutes, right? That's the power of a montage. You cram months and months of all this work and all this time and preparation into a few minutes, it's wonderful, isn't it? It's a wonderful storytelling device. We don't just see it in Rocky. We, we see it in the movie, The Breakfast Club, right? And maybe that one's more, people are like, nah, Rocky's not my thing, but Breakfast Club, John Hughes movies are. So in The Breakfast Club, you've got this group of teenagers who they all get in trouble. They're sentenced to spend a day together in detention. And while they're in detention, I mean, they're, they're the most opposite people you could imagine, right? The jock and the geek and the popular girl and the outcast girl, like they're, they're all in there. They're all completely different. And then they dance. <laughs> there's, there's a dancing montage for about two minutes. And after that's over, suddenly there's friendships forming. There's bonds. There's, hey, we're like best buddies now. And it all happened in like this little two-minute span, right? This little montage. This montage created the illusion that a whole lot of work, a whole lot of preparation, a whole lot of discipline, a whole lot of stuff could be jam-packed in this tiny little period of time. I would love if that was the case. I would love to be able to montage my sermon prep. So, like, that would just be fantastic, man. Have an entire week to kill because I don't have to worry about this, right? Like, this is, that would be amazing if life worked that way. The only thing is, it's not how it works. <laughs> See, our title for today, if you're a note taker, our title for today is The Montage Mirage. Say that five times fast. The Montage Mirage, and basically the idea that we're gonna be talking about today is how we, we have been lulled into this fake idea that we can want something. We can wanna be here in our relationships, here in our faith, here in our finances, you know, here in all these different areas. We, can, we wanna be in this really good place and put in no work to get there, but just suddenly whenever the pressure's on, whenever the time is there that we need to be there, we can just snap our fingers and suddenly, boom, Montage, we can montage our way to where we need to be. We can speed up our way to where we need to be. I put in zero work, zero time, zero anything, but I can get to where I need to be in an instant. The montage mirage. And many of us fall for the montage mirage. I think that's one of the things that Jesus is hitting on here in Matthew 17, this, this idea. Uh, let's read verse 13 one more time. He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. Many people go that way. Many people choose that way. Now, Jesus is specifically talking about the kingdom of God and faith here, but the principle that Jesus is undergirding that with is applicable all over the place, and it's definitely applicable in our lives that, you know what, the, the hard work, the discipline that we need to put in to get where we should be, that's not where a lot of us want to be, <laughs> We don't want the hard work. We don't want the discipline. We want the, the, the wide road, the road that's easy, the road that looks like it's comfortable, that it doesn't demand a lot of us. And so we fall for the mirage of a montage. <laughs> 
that we can just instantly get to where we need to be one of these days. We don't need to be putting in the work now. We don't need to be putting in the discipline now because at any moment we can just get there and fix things on the spot. It's an enticing idea. I mean, it is that we can do little to no work and still get the desires of our heart. It, you know, it's, it's such an enticing idea. We, we see it happen financially all the time. We just talked a few weeks ago about how sports betting has become such a huge thing in Ohio since it became legalized uh, on January 1st. Became a huge thing. In fact, get this. This is how big it's become. This is a, I had to look at this twice whenever I was studying for the sermon to make sure I was reading this right. Ohio, after the first month of the year is over, January is over, Ohio is currently on track to place more money in sports betting than Las Vegas will this year. <laughs> like that's, a, that's a hefty number. That's a big number, right? And I, I would bet you that, <laughs> bet you sports betting, see what I did there? Um, <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would bet you that the majority of people who are placing bets, sure, there's some people who's just like, oh, it's just for fun, whatever. I don't really need it. It's just, But for a lot of people, they're looking for a quick fix because they got student loan debt or they've got credit card debt or they owe something here or there or they're wanting to get a car and they're like, you know what? If I hit a parlay, I can turn this 50 bucks into 5,000 bucks. And if, if I do this and if I bet here, man, I can get that quick fix. And this thing that's taken me a long time to get into debt, man, I can fix it in a moment if this hits. I can, I can montage my way to getting this completely solved. Even though I've made a series of unwise choices or bad decisions over a period of time, man, in just a moment, I can fix this and I can be where I want to be. We don't just see it financially in the sports betting world. We see it all over the place. We just saw this idea on display at Christmas, didn't we? <laughs> a lot of parents who maybe are not nearly as involved in their kid's life as they should be, not as present as they should be, but man, if I just make up for it at Christmas, I can, I may have neglected them for a while, but man, if I get them everything they wanted on that list, if I just deliver on the list, then it's a quick fix. And suddenly it's like I fit in all these months I've missed, I get to fit them all in on Christmas and I can just fix everything. We're gonna see it happen again in just a couple of weeks. We have Valentine's Day coming up. <laughs> We're gonna have a lot of people who have neglected their spouse or neglected romance in, in a lot of ways. And they're gonna be like, you know what? I know what will fix it. Texas Roadhouse, all you can eat, cinnamon rolls and butter, baby. That's where it's at. And if I take her out, it's gonna, it, all of those months of neglect are gonna be made up on that day. Like just a quick fix. I'll be able to fix this really quick and things will be fine. People, many of us, fall for the montage mirage. Now, why is that? Like I said earlier, why do we, why do we fall for this? Because it, it's so intuitive to know that this doesn't make sense. <laughs> like we know it doesn't make sense when it comes to something like lifting, that like, yeah, if I don't put in any work, if I'm not training my muscles at all, and then I just walk into a gym cold and try to squat 350 pounds, I'm gonna break my knees. Like that's who we, we all know that's how that's gonna play out. But for some reason in other areas of life, we act like that's not the case. In other areas of life, we think like, I can put in zero work, but whenever the time comes, everything can be fine in my relationship, fine in my faith walk, fine in my finances, and that's just not the case. So why do we fall for it? I think it's one, one big reason. It has to do with our word for the year. Cornerstone, what's our word for 2023? Good. You guys get an A plus for today. Pressure is our word for the year. 
I think a lot of us, we fall for the montage mirage because of pressure. We have pressure in an area and we so badly want to believe that we can have a quick fix. Pressure pulls us towards a quick fix. Again, listen to what it says in Proverbs 21.5. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. I think we want to believe, we so badly want to believe that, man, I, I, can, I can mess up and I can mess up and I can mess up and I can mess up, but in a moment, I can be good. In a moment, when the pressure hits and when the pressure comes, everything can still be fine. Actually, right there in Proverbs 21.5, the word hasty, the original Hebrew word there, what it literally means is to be pressed, to be pressed, to be pressured, to be pressured. I think that's what happens. Whenever we come up against a pressure situation and the heat is on, we, we are praying and we're hoping, please let it be that there can just be a quick fix. Like, I know, I know I have ignored my relationship and I know things haven't been the way they wanna be, but man, my wife just used the word divorce and that is terrifying and please let there be a quick fix. Just, I'll, I'll tell her I'll go to counseling. Will that fix it? I'll tell her I'll do this or I'll do that. That'll, that'll fix it, right? I need, a, I need a quick fix. I need a quick fix with, with my finances. I need a quick fix if, if I haven't been putting any time into my studies and I've got a test coming up. If you're a high school student or a college student, you've been putting no time in, you're saying that prayer that we've all said at some point, like, God, if you're there and you're listening, <laughs> please help me to do good on this test and I promise I'll study for the next one, right? Like, you're, you're praying and you're hoping you want to believe that there can be a quick fix, that you can just montage your way into success. We want to believe that it's true. It's just not. Um, talking about like weight loss and gyms and stuff, you wanna know what I've heard the best diet is, the best way to diet? It's not a crash diet. It's not the kind of crazy diets that you hear of where it's like drink nothing but lemon juice and cayenne pepper for 11 days and you'll lose tons of weight. Like, the best diet I've heard people say, people who have lost weight, kept the weight off, who are doing really good, they say what they've done is they have set a target weight. It's what they're, they've talked with their doctor, they've looked into it, and they know this is the weight that I'm gonna be the healthiest at. This is the weight that I need to be at if I'm gonna be where I should be, so this is my target weight. And what I'm gonna do is start eating and exercising like that person does. Like, I'm gonna set that out there and say, okay, that's me in the future. What is that person, what's that person's exercise level and what do they eat like? And I'm just gonna start doing that today. It doesn't make you lose weight super quick, right? It doesn't, it doesn't like crash diet or anything like that, but it's sustainable. It's doable. It's actually healthy. But for a lot of us, man, we get the pressure. We're like, that sounds great, Pastor Jacob. I got vacation coming up though. So like, <laughs> it's coming up kind of quick. And so your Google search history looks like how to lose 50 pounds in four weeks. <laughs> You're like, how can I, like if I eat nothing but chicken breast and egg whites for the next 28 days, I can just lose all of this weight instantly because I'm under pressure. I'm under pressure, I'm under a, a lot of heat. I gotta get this done now and we want a quick fix and we don't just see that in funny ways like about weight loss, we, we see it in real ways. People losing a loved one, people losing a kid, losing a spouse, losing a parent. And in that moment when the loss happens, you are clinging to a faith and hoping, please God, get me through this. Please God, let me be able to get through this and not have the grief just take me under. Please God, let me, let me just get through this. And the 
just sad, heartbreaking thing is that there are so many of us who were not feeding and fostering our faith in the weeks and the days and the months prior to that, but in that moment, we're hoping for a quick fix. We're hoping that even though we haven't been putting work into our faith, our faith will show up. That even though we haven't actually been trusting Jesus in small things, so now when a big thing comes to our doorstep, we're ready for it. We're, we're just confronted with this huge thing and we wonder, why is my faith falling apart? Like, why am I not? It's because there's been no work. There's been no discipline. There's been no history of trusting Jesus. So now in this huge moment, you're wondering, why isn't it working? It's working because you haven't been working it. You haven't been working. You haven't been putting in discipline and time and growth in your faith. There's no such thing as a quick fix. And the pressure that we face in life pulls us towards that. We want it to be true that there's a quick fix the devil tries to tell us that there is. Our enemy tries to tell us that there is. But here's the thing. If it looks too good to be true, it probably is. The only, I'll tell you this, the only thing in the world that's too good to be true is Jesus. The only thing that's too good to be true is the gospel. It's so good, it's, it's, it's almost hard to believe because it's that incredible. Jesus over delivers on his promises so much. That's the only thing that sounds like, man, it's too good to be true, but it is true. Everything from the enemy, it sounds too good to be true, and it is too good to be true. The devil feeds us empty promises. Listen again to Jesus talking in Matthew 7, 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. You know what that means? That the, the gate and the road are wide and broad? That means it's easy. It's comfortable, I know there's a lot of people whenever you drive on the highway, which we have plenty of experience with this in Northeast Ohio, whenever you drive on a highway that has construction and they've got those concrete barriers that are like right up on the lines, it can be a little bit white knuckle, right? You're like, oh, all right, here we go. Time to really pay attention, right? Like I really need to zone in right now because it's so narrow. But man, whenever you're, you're driving around and it's three lane, four lane, and it's later at night and there's no one there, man, it's so easy, so comfortable, you can just kind of just cruise, right? You're just, you're just cruising, you're vibing, you're, you're doing fine. Like it's, it's no big deal. And that's what the enemy offers us. He offers us a way that looks so easy, so comfortable, looks so good, but it's too good to be true. It's too good to be true. What he tries to tell us, this idea that, nope, don't worry about hard work. Discipline, oh, discipline's not fun. Don't worry about discipline. When you need your faith to work, it'll work. When you need to really invest in your marriage, when they start throwing around the D word and divorce and stuff, don't worry. They won't actually follow through on it. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You don't need to just take it easy. Just do your thing. And whenever the time comes, everything will be fine. The fact is we cannot, you cannot microwave success. You can't montage your way to success when it comes to your, your relationships, your mindsets. Like what we're talking about in this series, no one is walking away from any one of my sermons that I've preached these past few weeks and instantly just changed. Like, whoa, never thought about pressure that way before, never going back to how I used to. Like that's not, that's not happening. <laughs> it's gonna take some work. You may have heard something and you're like, wow, that's true. I've never thought about pressure that way. And now I'm gonna need to put into work to really change the way I think about it. I'm gonna have to work with God to have the Holy Spirit truly transform my mind in the way that I see this. It takes work. You can't microwave success. You can't montage your way to success, especially when it comes to our faith. And this is, this is something so important. Make sure if you've kind of been zoning out, this is a moment to really lock in 
This is something we've talked about before at Cornerstone, and I, it comes up again and again in messages because I feel like it's that important. This is how the enemy gets us. The enemy, whenever he, whenever he gets us, whenever he tempts us, he doesn't tempt us with things that we're never going to say yes to. Like, he, that, that's silly. Why? Work smarter, not harder, right? Our enemy works very, very smart. He's not tempting us with things that, like, like think about Adam and Eve, right? The serpent, he didn't come up to Eve and be like, hey, you know that guy, Adam? You should take him out, just kill him. <laughs> like, that's, that's stupid. She would never do that. Like, why in the world? No, instead, what, she temp, what he tempts her with, what the serpent tempts with, is something that looks so good. The piece of fruit. Think about what scripture says in Genesis chapter three, whenever it describes after the serpent has told her, hey, take, take the piece of fruit for yourself. It says that the fruit was pleasing to the eye, it was good for food, and it would lead to the gaining of wisdom. Those are three really good things. Looked good, it's gonna give me wisdom, it's gonna give me food, it's, it's good for nourishment. Like those are good things. The enemy always comes to tempt us with things that look good. They look good. They can sound good. It's a, it's a promise that we can go, okay, yeah, that kind of sounds like it could be kind of nice, but it never delivers on what it promises. It never delivers on what it promises. And so what the enemy wants to tempt you with is not to abandon your faith. For most of us, that's such a foreign concept. There's nothing that could happen that would make you abandon your faith. That's not what he wants you to do. He wants you to neglect your faith. Don't worry about it. Don't Look, when the time comes, if, you know, I know, I know that your, your mom's sick and I know that it's gonna be a, a terrible thing whenever she goes, but you know what? God's gonna give you the strength at that time. No, you don't, don't worry about your daily prayers. Don't worry about daily Bible reading. Don't worry, don't worry about it because when that time comes, God will see you through. You, you don't need to do that. That's how the enemy works. He tries to get us to neglect little things here and there so that when the pressure comes, when the moment comes, we are so unbelievably unprepared. We don't know what to do. We, we don't rely on God because we haven't been relying on God. The enemy tries to tempt us in ways he knows he can get us, and namely, he tries to get us, you know what, just wait. Don't worry, you can flip a switch. When the time comes, you can flip a switch and montage your way to where you need to be in your faith and in your relationships and in your mindsets. You can just get there with the flip of a switch and it's too good to be true. It's a lie. It's a lie. The truth of the matter, the truth is you can't accidentally live purposefully. You, you can't do it. You can't just stumble your way through life and then whenever you get to the moment that you need to have purpose and you need to have God with you and you need, to, you need to have a faith that's been formed over time, you can't just manufacture that. You can't snap your fingers and make it be so. You, you had to have been living that way of putting in some work and some discipline and fostering your faith and building up your faith. You can't accidentally live purposely. Listen again to, Psalm, or to Proverbs 21.5. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Not really wishing hard. <laughs> Not, well, the pressure's on and now I hope things can just be good and God, can you get me through? Like, no, good planning, hard work. That's what leads you to where you wanna be. The purpose that God has put in your life, you get there through hard work. You get there through discipline. That's how you get to where you wanna be. Um, next weekend, we've got the Super Bowl coming up. We got the Super Bowl coming up. We got the Chiefs and the Eagles. Anyone rooting for the Chiefs? Anybody? Anybody rooting for the Eagles? There we go. Anybody just rooting for a good game? For both teams to just have fun, right? <laughs> We've got everybody. Um, so that's coming up this next, this next weekend, which by the way, 
If you place a sports bet, you're gonna do what you need to do, just tithe on it, all right? That's all, that's all I'll say. <laughs> I'll be praying that parlay hits to the glory of God, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so it's the Chiefs and Eagles. Those are the two teams that are meeting in the Super Bowl. Now, this is the thing about the Chiefs and the Eagles. If, if you're not a sports fan and this is kind of all foreign to you, let me just kind of build out a, a little bit. This is not a shock that these two teams are meeting in the Super Bowl. It's not. Um, whenever the MVP, the most valuable player voting comes out, chances are the, the winner is gonna be one of the quarterbacks that's playing in this game. For the whole league, for the regular season, the MVP is gonna be either Patrick Mahomes, quarterback for the Chiefs, or Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for the Eagles. They're gonna finish one and two in some order, but they're gonna be at the top. And then not only that, the AFC, the conference that the Chiefs are from, they're the number one seed from the AFC. They were the number one team. They won more games than anybody. They had the best record. They're the number one seed. Guess what? The Eagles are the number one seed in the other conference, in the NFC. Are they in the Super Bowl by accident? They just wish really, really hard. Like, oh, please, please just let us get there. Like, please, we really want to win it this year. All teams want to win it. All 32 NFL teams are, are trying to get there. They're, they're mortgaging their future. They're doing this and they're doing that in the hopes of trying to win a Super Bowl. These things don't happen by accident. You don't luck your way into the Lombardi Trophy. It happens on purpose. It happens through practice and through hardship and through disciplines and through day after day pursuing this thing. You cannot accidentally live purposefully. You, you can't surprise yourself or montage your way yourself into success. It's gotta be on purpose. It's gotta be intentional. It's gotta require discipline and hard work and making the choices every single day to yes, invest in my faith, to yes, invest in my relationships, to yes, invest in my marriage. It's saying yes to all the hard little things every single day that take you to the place that you need to be. It's not a surprise. Nothing I'm saying today is mind-blowing. Like, whoa, never thought of that before. This is stuff that we know. We know that we need to fight for our faith. We know that we need to invest in it. We know that we need to take planning and work and discipline into effect. You know, uh, we know that at Cornerstone. That's why we offer all the things that we offer. Like C groups, our small groups that are available for sign up right now, do you know we don't offer those just so you can have something to do on a Tuesday night? Like, that, that's not what we're about. We're not about like event coordinators to make our church have some stuff to do. Like us getting together every single week for a Sunday service like this, us offering ministry partnerships. It's not just because, well, someone's got to do it. Like we don't offer these things for those reasons. We offer these things because we know, you know what? Whenever we do these, we are, we are providing opportunities for people to invest in their faith, to invest in their relationship with God and with their church family because it's that important. It's that important that we make these decisions to truly invest in things that matter. We have to invest. There has to be hard work. In fact, I'll, I'll say it this way. If it's worthwhile, it'll be work. Anything in your life, it, I think John Maxwell, who said it this way, way better than I said it, he said, everything worthwhile is uphill. Everything. Anything in your life that's gonna make a difference, it's gonna lead you to purpose, it's gonna lead you to a legacy that you want to leave, it's uphill and it's going to take work. Can we say that together? If it's, if it's worthwhile, 
It'll take work. You can take that to the bank. If it's worthwhile, it's going to take work. Listen to Jesus' own words in Matthew 7, 14. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. The road is difficult. Only a few ever find it. If it's worthwhile, it's going to take work. Um, so I know I'm not gonna see a show of hands. So I won't even ask for it because you guys are gonna sell me out. But every guy I know has like a guilty pleasure show that you watch with, with, with your spouse, with your wife, right? Like you, you have that guilty pleasure show that you watch. Mine, me and Jessica, we watch Love is Blind on Netflix. Don't judge me, please. Don't judge me, please. It's one of those shows that like she starts watching and I act like I'm not interested, like one of these shows again. And before I know it, we're like 45 minutes in and I'm like, wait a second, why is she mad at her? She didn't do anything wrong, right? You like start getting invested in it. And so... The thing that really got me on this one too, Love is Blind, is the concept. So how the show works is it's a dating show, but it's not your typical like dating show. Uh, these people, it's a group of guys and a group of girls and they're selected and they go into these, they call them pods. It's like these two uh, joined rooms, but there's like a wall in between them. And so they can't see each other. All they can do is they can get to know each other. They can talk to each other, they're given notebooks for them to take notes about everybody that they talk to on these dates that they go on. And so all they can do is talk. And so there's nothing, you don't worry about the physical, you don't think about physical attraction or anything. It's literally just how do we connect? How do we connect on our backgrounds and our history and everything like that? And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, okay, this sounds interesting. Cause like it's, it's truly about getting to know somebody. And so the whole thing is after all these dates are over, I think they do it for a week. Um, and it's for real, from, from morning to night, they just do this. They're in these pods for like 10, 12 hours a day. It's crazy. They're just in these things all day. They get to know people crazy deep, like crazy deep, because that's all you're doing is just talking, talking about your fears and your background, and your family history and what you want for the future, all this kind of stuff. So it's actually really cool because people in these things, they end up falling in love. It'll be like day five and they're like, I love this person. Like I feel so connected to them and it's crazy. Like the people keep saying over and over again, I can't tell you how crazy this is. Like I, you can't know until you experience it. This is just crazy that I'm already in love with this person. So at the end of seven days, if you've made a connection, you can propose to somebody. And then after that, if they say yes, you've got like four weeks until the wedding to like finally be like, hey, are you actually gonna follow through on this? And so what's funny is, in these pods, right, in these pods, people find very worthwhile relationships. Like, it's actually pretty nuts. This show is batting a higher percentage of people who've gotten married on it and who are still married than almost any other dating show that there is um, because people are connecting on things that truly matter. Um, and so these people, they're, they're going through these pods and they're finding worthwhile love and worthwhile relationships. But as soon as they leave the pods and they go into the real world, things change. <laughs> not even because they've seen each other now, but because now it's not just, oh, we're sitting up and we're talking all night. We, we've now got to like actually live life together. We've got to, like, you've got work to go to and I've got work to go to. And how does that work? Like, I know we know each other, but now we've got to see how things are and how do we handle conflict whenever it's in this kind of situation. We got to meet your family. We got to meet my family. And some of the people's families are like, we don't want anything to do with this. This whole situation and experiment is weird and we don't want to touch it, right? So all of a sudden, all this difficulty enters the situation. And I can promise you, every single season that we've watched so far, every single season, the couples that end up making it are the ones who started the whole experiment knowing it is gonna be hard work. 
I don't care. I don't care how well we hit it off in these pods. I don't care how much we have in common. I don't care about any of that. I know and I'm prepared that on the other side of this, it's gonna be hard and it's gonna be difficult and I'm gonna need to do sacrifice and I'm gonna need to have to give here and take here. and It's gonna be hard and I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that. I'm anticipating that. Those are the ones that make it because they know, you know what? This is worthwhile, so it's gonna be work. I'm finding something worthwhile. I'm finding something worthy, so I know it's going to take work. I know, I know that it's gonna take discipline and planning and difficulties here and there. It's going to take work and you're gonna to have to fight for it. We have to do the same thing in our own lives. We have to do the same thing, especially when it comes to our faith. We need to be ready to fight. If it's worthwhile, it's gonna take some work. Um, that's actually today, the, the shirt that I'm wearing, this shirt, I got this uh, from Cheryl Roundtree, a uh, lady in our church, her husband, Ron, passed away last year. Ron and Cheryl, they actually won our MP Legacy Award uh, for last year, for 2022. Just incredible people, pillars in the church, uh, awesome, awesome people. And she gave this to me. This was one of Ron's uh, old coats. I, I wore this on purpose today because um, I feel like Ron was such a perfect example of what we're talking about today. He was someone who rejected the idea of the montage mirage. Ron received our MP Legacy Award. His family was here and his family was talking about all the ways that he didn't just affect the church for the better, but he affected their family for the better and how proud they were of him and how incredible of a man he was and just all these amazing things, everything that you want to hear about yourself, right? We had no idea whenever we honored Ron last year that he was sick. He had no idea. In fact, me and Bruce Oberlin, one of uh, the staff members here at church, we were meeting with Ron about two weeks prior to him going to a doctor's appointment. We met with him because he was one of our uh, uh, ministry partners who would go and be at uh, nursing homes and hospice centers to pray with people and to lead services there. And me and Bruce were meeting with him, talking about helping him get more resources and little communion cups to take, things like that. And so we're sitting and we're talking um, about all those kind of things. And then about two weeks later, Ron contacts me, Pastor Brenda and Bruce, uh, and him and Cheryl come in to meet with us, and Ron says, I've got terrible news. I've got very aggressive cancer, and unless a miracle of God happens, this is gonna be what takes me home. Like, this is gonna be uh, what, what takes me home to Jesus. And sure enough, like, less than a year, about six months, from, or less than six months from then, uh, uh, Ron passed away. Now, what's so incredible is how Ron reacted when he got that news. This is not a guy who was like, oh no, I'm ready to pass. Like everyone's all grown, whatever. I don't really, you know, I'm. No, he was, he was, like I said, we were just meeting about ministry, about him getting more things to be able to do more ministry here and there. He wasn't ready to go in that sense, but he was ready to go. He had a ready faith because he didn't have a faith that was unprepared. He, he was investing in his faith over the years. He was trusting Jesus in little things and in big things and in medium things. He was trusting Jesus all over the place, investing in his faith, putting in the discipline, putting in the hard work. So when life threw him this curveball, he had a faith that was ready for it. He had a faith that could handle it, a faith that could, could carry the weight of what he was about to go through. And so when Ron got dealt this terrible news, there, there was no, oh, woe is me, and everything is just, what am I gonna do? He, he took it, and he said, you know what? I'm gonna make the last bits of my life just matter the most that I can. 
He, he was able to handle it with just such a supernatural and otherworldly confidence because he had a faith that could stand up against the weight of what life had thrown his way. Because he knew, you know what? If I wanna have a faith that stands up against that, it's not gonna come from a microwave. It's not gonna be a faith that comes from a montage. It's not gonna be a faith that could just be a quick fix that, oh crap, I've got cancer that's gonna take me out. Jesus, give me confidence and peace now. Like, no, he had been cultivating that for decades of his life. For decades of his life. You, you can't manufacture or, or make up that kind of faith. It only comes through discipline. That is a worthwhile faith. And if you want a faith like that, it takes work. It takes work. Here at Cornerstone, we, are, we, we know we've got some crazy days ahead of us, right? We've got some very worthwhile things that are coming up. We're, we're in the middle of our building campaign. It's gonna start this year. We're gonna see renovation and construction kick off this year. And we know on the other side of that is a lot of growth. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, people come to check out the new shiny building. <laughs> they just, they do. And so we know that's coming. And so to prepare for it, we don't wanna just you know, just wait and sit back on our laurels and then suddenly we have a lot of people, a lot of new people coming and they fall through the cracks because we're not ready. We're getting ready now for what's to come. We're, we're preparing in every way we can. We, we've hired a new position. You've seen up here before, Caleb Mason, our new executive director. We've hired a new position. We've changed different things up on staff. We're, we're, we're changing things up in certain ways with ministry partnerships. We're trying to add more ministry partners. We're changing even the way we do ministry. We, our staff does a thing called a ministry audit where we look at every single thing Cornerstone does and asks, do we still need to do that? If we do it, how can we do it more effectively? How can we do it more efficiently? How can we partner with other people? We're doing all of this preparation, all of this hard work because there is something worthwhile coming. More and more people that God is giving us influence with that we can influence for the kingdom. That is a worthwhile thing. And for us to have that and to manage it well, it's taking a whole lot of work. And that's how it is with anything in life. If it is worthwhile, it will take work. Last few things, we're, we're just about done. Um, when we get the new facility, when we get the new facility, this is something that, that will be true. We won't be done in that moment, right? They're like, well, and Cornerstone is complete. <laughs> put, the, put a bow on it. We're done now. Like, that's not how that works. The, the work persists. It keeps going. And I think about that with our faith. Your faith is never going to get to a point where you're like, done. <laughs> Fully formed faith. I'm, I'm done. I, I can't be sanctified anymore. I can't be any more like Jesus. I am a perfect finished product. There's always going to be more work. That's why I, I love how Jesus words it here. You see, a fulfilling life, it's not a door. It's a road. A fulfilling life, it's not this thing that you just open up and step in and I've arrived. It's a road. Listen again to how Jesus phrases it. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. The road, it's something that you're continually on, that continually takes work. It's not something that's just over in a moment. If you're a homeowner, you know this. <laughs> if you're a homeowner, you know, as soon as you get one project done, there's another project. As soon as there's one renovation done, your wife's like, well, what about the bathroom? Like you, it's constant. It's just this ongoing slog of work. But if you wanna have a fulfilling house, you wanna have a house that brings you joy and it meets the needs of your family, it's constant Work, it's never totally done. And while that can sound like a slog, this is what I'll tell you, the work is always worth it. When you're pursuing something worthwhile, like faith in Jesus, the work is always worth it. 
And so yes, you can't neglect it, you can't hurry it, you can't fake the work, but the work, if you do it right, if you give your all, if you truly are disciplined, it's always worth it. And continuing that idea that a fulfilling life isn't a door, it's a road. Last thing I'll say, if you let discipline drive you, if a fulfilling life isn't a door, it's a road, if you let discipline drive you, you will never be disappointed in your destination, ever. I, I have, Pastor Brenda, me, I have yet to meet a person who is upset that they were too disciplined when it came to their faith. Prayed too much. Read too much scripture. I worship too much. I trusted God too much. I gave too much. I served too much. Man, I just, you know, if only I would have been this disciplined. If only I would have put in this much hard work and difficult work in my faith. If only things would have been better. No, if you let discipline be the driving force behind you, if you're like, okay, this is, this is where I know I need to go. This is the road I need to be on with my faith and I'm just gonna be disciplined about it. I'm gonna trust Jesus in the small things so I can trust him in the big things. I'm gonna give him the small things so I can give him the big things. If you start doing that and you make that a discipline in your life, you will never be disappointed in the destination you end up in, ever. I want that for you. I want that for you, I want that for me. If you would, can we bow our heads and let's pray together real quick about that? Heavenly Father, man, you've got such incredible potential for every single person in this room, every single person watching online. Um, there's so much purpose in these people's lives. So many people you wanna influence and touch through these people and through their life and through their work and through their ministry. And God, we don't wanna miss it. We don't wanna rest on our laurels. We don't wanna sit back and let day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year pass us by because we think that at a moment's notice when we need to, we can just flip a switch and boom, be where we need to be. God, we know that's not how it works. We know that it takes discipline and it takes hard work and that we need to be investing in all of these areas that matter in our life, investing in our walk with you, investing in our relationships with other people. We need to be doing the work to get those places where they're supposed to be. So God, help us to do that. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit so that when we start to fall back into seeing things through our perspective, that your Holy Spirit would work to renew our mind and to show us what truly matters, that we can't microwave success, that we can't montage our way to a fulfilling future, that it only comes through hard work and daily discipline. Help us to do that, God, and we'll be sure that you and you alone get all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. We lift all this up in your name. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.